working with Trent Booth and the Veritas Leadership Group over the last decade has unlocked things within me that I never knew existed until they were coached out of me. If you're listening and you feel stuck or like you have another gear that you're having a hard time getting to, Trent's offering a free intro call to any of our listeners. I love Veritas because it's an amazing combo of mentoring and coaching. I get what I need when I need it most. It's also a flat monthly rate, which is awesome for anyone looking to give it a shot with no contract and no long-term commitment. Schedule a call with Trent today by going to linktree slash CSP60. That's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash CSP60. That's linktree slash CSP60 with a dot before the two E's. Why would you ever want to not capitalize on this opportunity? Why would you ever not want to understand or know more about this opportunity? It's something that whether you do a little or a lot, if it falls into your lap, instead of just saying, great, I'm glad you own a business. Okay, let me sell something for your house. It's like, hey, I wanna be able to have an opportunity to to sell a, a you know business owner. Why haven't you done more? And what's holding you back from continuing to pursue this and make this a stronger layer of your business that you can build that confidence very quickly and there's enough resources help support to help you guys get more success with this layer. Thanks for joining us on the CSP Hot Hands 60 Minutes of Fire podcast. My name is Brett Wiggins and I get to serve as your host. So what is a CSP? Uh, CSP is a Cutco sales professional. There are a lot of them out there and they've all got a different answer to the question, why do you sell so much? Our mission is to find out the answer to that question from as many of them as possible. These next 60 minutes are designed for Cutco sales reps who desire to learn from our best in the field. So we interview top sales professionals from around the country with questions provided by their peers to make all that happen. 60 minutes of fire means we get straight to the point. Let's do it. minutes of fire uh really excited for our guest today one of the greatest to ever cut rope and leather mr rob Robinchek from our akin ohio office and cavalier division been on stage many times with rob uh when he's blowing minds revealing his uh infamous now what seems like a, an annual tradition at this point se2 push reports uh we're gonna we're gonna peek behind the curtain today find out what goes into all that success we see on stage um, anytime Rob references a resource that's available to us, he's either going to uh, throw it in the chat, share it with me after our time together today, and uh, we'll make sure we make those available to you on our CSP community WhatsApp. Uh, so Rob, do you have any scripts, templates today that you kind of reference? Don't feel the need to cover it in detail or share it necessarily right now. Um, okay. Explanatory. We'll share it afterwards so we can uh, spend the bulk of our time on the questions our CSP community has put together for you. So are you, are you and your amazing beard ready to jam? Yes, I'm ready to go and uh, excited about sharing here. Sweet, man. Let's do it. So I do want to thank our CSP community of our Michigan division submitting most of these questions. Uh, it would not be very fire without their help. It would be, if, they, if I was supplying the questions, it would be 60 minutes of lukewarm leftovers. Uh, so I want to specifically shout out Colin Herman, 
Kaiser Schwartz, Jordan Thomas, Shayla Boker, Jaleen Baumeister, Olia Greyhouse, John Sassick, and Han Garrett at the buzzer for submitting questions. Appreciate it a ton, guys. Uh, let's start with some uh, some some layups here. Uh, Rob, how long have you been selling Cutco? I officially started June of 1997, which is interesting because I just did my second annual Cutco factory trip with my customers and I get uh, some time to spend with Jim Stitt and others. And uh, I found out that he actually started in 1997 officially with the company too. Great year. I think the Bulls won their last of their uh, their six championships then too. So I, I, it's a great, it's a really great year. Uh, also because I was going into the fifth grade and Mr. Montgomery was an amazing uh, teacher. So that's good. Uh, what is your yearly sales breakdown for the year typically look like, Rob? So these guys can get an idea. What percentage like business gifts? What percentage closing events, residential? Yeah, so it's, it's evolved over the years. Um, and each year, the uh, percentage continues to get higher on business gifting. Not only my passion and excitement and growing it and needing more time and less events, but I would say at this point in time, uh, it would be I have about eight to 10 main events I do, traditional events. I have um, probably another eight to 10 service events uh, that I do as well. And then uh, probably breaks down uh, numbers wise about 70% business gifting. Uh, I would say 20% on events and then another 10% on past customer marketing through uh, you know, catalogs, um, reach outs, uh, holidays, you know, promotions, things like that. Well, a lot within that last 10%, a lot, a lot of sub subcategories that we could, we could go toward. Uh, yes. What other titles do you have in life outside of Cutco? I'm thinking dad, husband, anything, anything like that? Yeah. So uh, I have four kids. Um, so I got a 19 year old. It's a sophomore in, in college. I have a one just turned 16 at the end of July. So she's driving. So she's a junior in high school. Nice. I've got a 13 year old son. Uh, it's an eighth grader. And then we adopted a baby girl a year ago. So she's, uh, 14 next, this next week, 14 months. So, yeah. And, uh, so I, I, again, being a father and taking care of my kids, you know, is definitely top priority. Um, and then, uh, you know, try to try to do other fun stuff myself, but uh, usually their games and events and things like that come first. <laughs> I can't like my, my four-year-olds, uh, is our middle child right now and she's just getting curious about things like doing the monkey bars and things like that and that makes me nervous so i couldn't imagine one of them driving a you know thousand pound uh uh 60 mile per hour vehicle on the road so prayers for you <laughs> that's exciting that's awesome um what's the last fun thing that you did when you weren't slinging blades um you mean outside of a family yeah, function or something that, like that? Hey, no, any family, anything besides selling Cutco, what's the last fun thing that you did? Well, um, you know, what's the most fun for me is getting to go to my kids' sporting events, big into sports and doing that. So uh, my son just had a uh, game on, on Sunday. Uh, he was uh, a little upset because he could have had a pick six. Uh, 
uh, dropped it. But yeah, but uh, he plays quarterback and tight end. Uh, that's so, awesome. Uh, that yeah, end zone looked well. really big. I'm sure it was all he was focused on. Uh, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome, man. Uh, but I. I look forward to doing every October um, outside of Christmas, my favorite time of year. So I do an annual Halloween limo trip. So they take me and a group of guys. We go to different haunted houses and, and do that. And then I always take him to one Cleveland Browns game every year. His birthday is on Halloween. So we try to do oh, nice. one October. We got the, the uh, November 5th Arizona game. Um, and after, since he's been six years old, every year they lost every time I've taken him. They finally won last year. So Let's now we go. can maybe do a streak of how many in a row we can win now. So I'm imagine, I've, I've been to Brown Stadium to tailgate. I've never been in for a game, but I can imagine Halloween at the Browns at a home game would be very exciting. Uh, yeah. Uh, that's awesome. What's your, what's your best year ever for CPO, Rob? Uh, it was last year. At uh, just under 1.4 million, which wow. uh, broke down to about 916 was business gifting, and then uh, the rest, the, the other layers of the business. Okay, awesome. And then what what's something in the works right now? Maybe you're working on, and maybe it's an order, a program, a business relationship you're really excited about. What's something right now, kind of in the works we wouldn't know about yet that maybe you're really excited about? Um. Well, I'm pretty transparent, you know, uh, talk about as much stuff as I can out there. But, I mean, there is one that I've been floating around that's uh, pretty cool uh, from an order perspective, um, working on an opportunity for uh, 5,000 Santoku trimmers. Um, so that would be pretty epic, pretty exciting. Um, but, yeah, there's always – something exciting in the business world that uh you know tends to happen especially when you're you know living in that world and and uh we continue to see bigger and better things happen all the time i just landed my biggest order of my career this july uh 2400 ice cream scoops 2400 pizza cutters on the same order uh so interesting enough it wasn't even a knife um, but it was a, a pretty significant hey, order. We're, we're a kitchen company Gosh darn. Yeah. <laughs> we uh, um kitchen collection, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> well, I want to get into something that I believe from my perspective, it's catapulted you into the uh, the GOAT conversation when it comes to selling Cutco. And that's that's how you tie your family and loved ones into your goals. This this question was actually submitted in some way, shape, or form by multiple people in our community. I've watched you time and time again, kind of whether it's accepting an award or a, or a push week trophy. And it feels like you always have the strongest why tied into your goals um, that are really driving your daily actions for the contest or for the year. Can you speak to that for a little bit? Like what, what's your process like, not just making a goal that would benefit your family, but, but really tying them into and involving them with your goals. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, what's really important is, you know, you have your why. So, you know, what is, something that keeps you no matter how you know early you get up in the morning how hard you work all day uh, but again none of that means anything unless you get to spend the time with them so there's certain stretches that you know they may not see you for hours or maybe you know a, a few days here and there uh, especially during again the sc2 push but i think tying in 
a fun activity or something they can be part of. So, you know, recently it's been great because we do the um, uh, SC2 now um, at the water park at Kalahari. And so that's part of the deal is if I hit my goal, uh, then again, they know that they get to come to the event, celebrate, and that's something that they love doing too, but we get to do it together. And so for me, it's pushing me harder and harder. And for them, it's driving me, them instead of saying, you know, hey, dad, why aren't you, you know, hang out with me tonight uh, or, you know, this weekend or whatever. It's like, hey, dad, what have you sold? <laughs> what are you at your goal yet? Have you hit it yet? Like, I'm excited, you know. And so not only uh, with my wife, uh, with my kids, it's not only sharing with them your goals, but tying them into an activity of that everybody gets to celebrate and enjoy the payout, if you will. And so that's what, again, is an additional driver uh, during that contest period. But throughout the year, it's what I'm able to provide for them, what I'm able to do for them. Uh, so things that my parents couldn't do, maybe not necessarily afford uh, when I was growing up, you know, from being able to help with, you know, my first car or help with college and different things like that. I don't believe in giving them everything, but I do believe in helping and then having them work hard for everything. And so, you know, if my daughter able to help her, you know, get her first car, car in college and, and be able to get around and then provide an opportunity that she can get a job that she can drive to now instead of just being on campus. Right. So um, same thing, you know, with anything that, uh, that I'm doing and providing for them is, you know, helping with her college payments and, and stuff like that. So uh, it just, again, throughout the year at certain points, uh, there's always something that's involving my why of being able to get back and help. You know, I always have a certain cause or something I want to donate, give back to that again is my driving force. So when someone figures out what not only drives them, but then they tie those people in and then they have some type of celebration, if you will, or some type of payoff or some type of um, gathering that you get to celebrate with them, I think enhances that whole experience. And, and then again, as a constant reminder of like a daily activity that, you know, I'm not going to let them down. Just like for me, I don't want to let the region down and, and Jeff and, and the, everybody that's part of the greatest region you know, the Midwest. So, uh, but my family, again, you know, having all that combined in there, uh, you know, just makes it such a burning fire that the flame will never go out. Uh, no matter how tired I am, you know, that what kind of day someone buys, doesn't buy, none of that matters because the, the end goal, the vision is always there. Man, your two things that stick out to me. One, uh, your Midwest region pride is, the strongest. I mean, I, when I hear you say things like I, I I've seen you on calls before talk about, I don't want to let fill in the blank down. You mean it. Like I can tell how you say it. You really, really mean it. Second thing that sticks out, sticks out to me is if you're still tracking and categorizing all your own expenses, I have a message from your CPA. Stop. If you're listening to this podcast, chances are your goals include growing your sales. And one way to do that is delegating admin responsibilities by trading time for money. Rising Stock and MyBooks.Pro is exactly what you need. Rising Stock is an all-encompassing financial tracking and coaching program where MyBooks.Pro is exactly what it sounds like. They just do your books. You can choose to just have them track your expenses or take advantage of everything they have to offer. Do your business and your CPA a favor by scheduling a free intro call today. 
at linktree slash CSP60. That's L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash CSP60. That's linktree slash CSP60 with a dot before the two E's. I think something that has become um, very, uh, uh, it's, 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 it's normal for you. It's something you've done many, many times now is tying your family into a goal. If I'm uh, never done this before and I'm like, okay, how do I even start that conversation? Like, uh, let's say it's a significant other. It's like, hey, I don't I don't care about your work life, uh, but I love what it affords us to be able to do. But that's fine. That's over there. What What's that conversation like initially when you have this idea that, hey, I want to include my spouse or include my kids or include my parents or include somebody that matters a lot to me in these goals what, what does that initial conversation look like? How does it maybe look different with your significant other than it does with your kids? Yeah, significant other. I mean, it's just like sharing our dreams and what we want to accomplish and what we want to do. Mm. So there has to be give and take. There has to be sacrifices on both sides of things. So, you know, her sacrifice is, you know, maybe doing more family duty and mm or maybe, you know, driving the kids here and there in the school in the morning that I normally do something like that. But it's like, okay, so with our sacrificing maybe a little bit of time here and there that provides us the opportunity to maybe do some more travel because now we can afford to do that. Um, we can obviously make sure our retirement, you know, fund is continuing to be there. So when we, you know, the kids do get older and just the two of us, you know, that we will have more opportunities to be able to do fun activities. Um, Again, she's a very uh, generous person, a very kind heart. And, but, you know, so we can donate more and that excites her because now we can give back to others, uh, which is another piece. Mm -hmm. And so, and then again, I always love to do something, uh, you know, that she also obviously likes nice things, which is great in perspective. And then, so the good thing is, hey, what would uh, be exciting for you, um, as a payoff as well. And so there's been different things that she's, uh, you know, that I've been able to get for her that again, is very exciting, um, on that front too. It so sounds I think like you guys are, just, are meeting and talking about your dreams and goals way before you talk about how Cutco plays into that. Like that's something you guys are already on the same page with. And then it's like, okay, cool. How can I use the business to be able to do that. And, and it, what I noticed is too, like when you, when you have a huge SE2 push, it truly is a team effort that it sounds like your wife is also like, Hey, I'm taking one for the team as well. Stepping up what in this case, you said it was at home with the kids or whatever the case may be like not possible for you to do your end with that. But it sounds like there's no like guilt in that. There's no like, all right, Rob's going to go sell a lot. So I have to do this. Like, Hey, we chose this together. We have these dreams and goals together. It sounds like retirement for you guys is, is important. Getting to travel when the kids are, uh, are are all out of the house, getting a chance to give more. Those are things she's also tied into. So her stepping up is at the same time that, that you are. Um, that, that was really, really insight for me. Is it's, hey, there's a dreams and planning conversation way, way beyond and way before Cutco with, with you and her. Um, let's, yeah, let's, this is a communication right? The communication is extremely important, right? Because again, if you're both in agreement to this and then you both stick to the plan, then again, there's no resentment. You know, people are not upset. It's like, oh, okay, I understand that. And this is what we're accomplishing and this is what we're doing. And then obviously she's seeing the benefit of that. And that was a very difficult conversation, Brett, when we, when I came back to Cutco full-time in 2018, because I was giving up a lot 
with no guarantee, right? But yeah. if I said, if I'm doing the work and mapping it out, here's what I envision. I never envisioned as big as it as it is today, as quick as it was. Uh, but now, you know, the, the vision is so, so big, but yeah. So as long as the communication, we're sticking to the plan, we're both in agreement, then it's a, it's a success uh, formula right there. You, you left for a few years, kind of always sold cut on the side, but you left for a few years to uh, pursue uh, uh, work outside of Cutco. Um, and you referenced coming back in 2018 and there being a little bit of uh, nervousness, maybe some butterflies around coming back and not having maybe a, a salary that you did or not having any guarantee. What what did that decision come down to for you? And after you made that decision, was there ever a point during your first year coming back selling full-time where you were like, oh crap, I messed up? <laughs> what, what was that like? <laughs> yeah, no, it was... Uh... It was it, it was a journey for sure, because, again, I was doing a part time when I came back to do it, you know, a little bit more active in 2011. And they did that all the way to 2018. And I would say, you know, there was two big contributing fact, factors that really made the decision to come back full time, something that I was ready and, and willing to do. And, and one is it's just with corporate America, you know, you're fed a whole bunch of promises and it looks great on paper. And then when you actually put it into, you know, action and, and, and play it out, it's never what it always seems to be, at least what I, I found. And, and I, again, I worked several different corporate jobs, several different sizes of companies. So I got to explore, you know, Fortune 500 to smaller shops all across the board. And all was, again, a completely different uh, atmosphere and, and and mentality and culture from what Cutco and what I experienced. And when I uh, said, you know what, uh, there's no passion here. There's no excitement. I'm just waking up in the morning just to make a paycheck for my family, but I'm not excited about what I'm doing. I'm not excited about what I'm contributing and how I'm giving back and how I'm helping others. And, you know, Cutco is always people always still reaching out and, Hey, whenever you're ready, we'll be ready. And we're here for you. And I think one of the other triggers outside of that was my daughter, who's now 19, who helped me at many shows in, in the uh, the um, uh, over Labor Day weekend in 2017. She was working a fair with me. And at the end of the fair, she's like, Dad, why don't you do this full time? You have so much fun doing this. You should just do that. And I'm thinking, why not? So I mapped it out that fall. Um, and again, I, I reached out to all the executives and like the people that, again, that I wanted to let them know that, Hey, if I'm going to come back, I want to be able to give back to this community. I want to be able to help this community. And, you know, Jeff was the first person and, and, um, obviously shared with Justin what, you know, I wanted to do. Um, I also shared with John Kane and others. And so, you know, the nice thing is they open, you know, uh, uh you know, open up their, their, their minds, their hearts. And just you welcomed me back and said, hey, you know, we're here to support you. Obviously, Jeff with throwing out, you know, big numbers himself, he was like, you could sell half a million at that point. I only sold 160, 70,000 prior to that. And I was like, you know, thinking he's crazy. What is he talking about? And no one in the Midwest region, which people may know or not know, but prior to other than John, John Rulin, no one had ever sold over 300,000 in the Midwest region prior to 2018. And I was like, other regions are doing this. We have so much talent and so much skill set. And these people are so amazing in our region. Why aren't we doing that? I said, I think it's just 
them seeing that four minute mile broken, them seeing people in our region saying, okay, well, they got the tech state fair of Texas. They got LA County fair. They've got bigger and better opportunities and it's a better area. And it's like, no, that's BS. That's not, that's not the case. We can do bigger and better things here. And so that was kind of a mission as well is like showing the model, proving the model and saying that, you know, it can be done here. It can be done bigger. It can be done better. And that was exciting. And I think you, you may remember as well as after that first year, of me doing 365,000 that year and, and saying it can be done. Now, obviously so many oh, people dude, have done a, that. It was then, a domino effect immediate. I mean, within, within, I think two or three years, we had multiple people over 500 grand, let alone two or three. It was an immediate, like it is to your point about the, the, the mile. Once somebody does, it's like, Oh, it is possible. Oh, it is possible in mm -hmm. the Midwest. So it was, it was, it, it absolutely, um, uh, uh, reinvigorated and breathed life into our CSP team in the Midwest. And it made people go, Oh, wow. I'm going to look at this a little bit differently. And kind of your point about Jeff speaking, Hey, you can sell 500 grand in a year, something that nobody in the Midwest has ever done. I want to talk to you about something else that hasn't happened is are the Browns ever going to win a Super Bowl? <laughs> well, what's crazy is that prior to Super Bowls, they were the best team ever with Jim Brown and winning championship after championship, but none of it really counts, right? Because it wasn't an official Super Bowl. And uh, yes, yeah, the Super Bowl came to be again, the, you know, <laughs> a lot of struggle, a lot of pain. Uh, but you know, every year they have very devoted fans of just getting kicked in the teeth, but still getting back up again and still ready to go. And that's how I feel some days with Cutco as you know, it's not easy, but it's not hard. And it's hard work will pay off at the end of the day and building up your 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 foundation strong. And then again, continue to build after each year and each year. It's like at the point that that's why I will never leave this company. That's why this is home. That's why I feel extremely comfortable. There's a lot of great opportunities out there, but there's no opportunity like this that I feel that is so uh, loving community, um, a a ability to be able to live the life and no cap, no ceiling of what you can get. Like when I was working these corporate jobs, they were like, yeah, no ceiling. It's like, no, there is a ceiling and no matter how hard I'm working and I'm selling more, but still making less, none of this adds up. And with Cutco, it's like, nope, you know, keep on selling more, be the first $2 million rep and we will, we will pay you out and we will make sure you're taken care of. I love how you have used the Browns demise, but also their fan base's ability to get back up after falling to be your, that's your, your life driving. Yes. We are getting back up. We're making this happen. Uh, when's, yep. uh, when, when was your first quantum leap and what were some, you spoke about a little bit about, Hey, I decided to go full time, pop to 300. I don't know what the, what the rise to over a million ended up being, but when was your, when was the first one where you're like, well, that was the one that really set me on the path I'm on now. What were some moments or actions or maybe decisions you made that were responsible for that? Because if I'm a rep and I'm sitting here, I'm at two or 300 grand for the year. What do you think caused it? Like, what, what was it for you? Yeah. I mean, for me, it was just, just seeing that um, by following a system and, uh, you know, getting on a, on a, on a program and knowing that 
even though I was taking for the business gifting side of things, a few steps back, I knew what the future could be. Um, like I said, I didn't know how fast and how quick it could be, but I could see that happening. I think the biggest uh, light bulb that went off for me was during the pandemic. So during the pandemic, a lot of reps, obviously they were focused on events and other things. And, and a lot of them were their businesses were suffering. Well, that year I was like, okay, well, what do I got to do? I got to pivot and spend more time on the business gifting front. And so what I did was in, you know, uh, in that, that year, I basically was spending more time with businesses and I accelerated, added more fuel to the fire that year than any other year. And so, like I said, when other rep sales were way down, that was the year that I jumped. I think that was year from 500,000 to over 800,000 and uh, was number two in the, in the nation behind Curtis. And then from that point on, had never looked back. So from, from 2000, uh, from, you know, from 2020, basically um, those next few years uh, really kind of pushed the needle much faster and much, much quicker. But, you know, knowing that it was working, knowing that again, it was initially a little bit of a slower burn. But again, I knew that after that year three, that third year was that pivotal year that a lot of things just really started to snowball and then now it's really picked up because, again, I created the strong foundation. But then each year I was cultivating those relationships, building on those relationships and then um, seeing the fruits of those labors after that, you know, and just in a three year period. And then now it's, you know, a few years later and now, you know, it's going to be next year, two million uh, in sales. So. Reminds me of a, a quote that I heard. I want to say it's called the ROMS rule um, to never let a serious crisis go to waste. So for you, it was, okay, I, my event business is going to suffer. I'm still going to find a way to make, and then, Hey, does the business gifting program for you ever actually become what it is? If it's not for, uh, uh, that, that season that we all lived, uh, uh, with COVID, um, I think that speaks to your mentality about a lot of solutions where you're going to be solution, uh, oriented. If you were starting over business gifting all over again, this is the, it was brand new, brand new program. What's one thing that you would do differently if you were starting over with business gifting all over again? Uh, just spend more time on the, <laughs> than I did first year. I was kind of just mm -hmm. dipping my toes in yeah. and just saying, you know, it, you know, it was a lot of things with the transition, right? It was coming back full time knowing I had to sell a certain amount just to break even of what I was guaranteed with my base and salary and all this other things and, and, and benefits and things like that. Uh, but if I go back and say, okay, instead of eight hours a week, I would have probably jumped it maybe a few more hours added onto it. Cause that year, like we talked about, you know, I could have folded or again, just pivoted and do more. And, and I ended up doing more. And, and that's why, again, you know, it would still be great where I'm at now, but it just would have been further ahead. And just trusting that if I'm doing these things, I know that they can work. Um, outside of those things, you know, the the just putting the time and the focus is just determining that this is a serious layer that I want to build. I knew it was a layer that I felt confident in and I seen success. I just needed to prove the model that it could work the way we were doing it, right? Compared to the way maybe John Rooms has done it and things like that. Um, and then I think too is, is early on just more awareness, asking every person that came in contact at a traditional event, at a networking event, anytime I'm talking to anybody, just being having the awareness to continue to talk to them about, hey, um, you own or run a business. Let me tell you more. And then feeling very good about that. 
Um, I would have scaled up my display items, you know, and had that in the collection sooner and faster and had more to be able to show and, and pitch. I would have been probably spent a little bit more time on my business pitch, making sure that I'm uh, not only being confident, but creating interest for a business owner. It's so crazy that you can have those first couple steps and show it to them until they act, until you actually pitch it and tell them a little bit more and feel confident how we like would pitch a Cutco kitchen um, and feel good about that. Then once they realize that they're like, wow, this is the greatest idea ever. You know, why didn't I think of that? And I'm like, well, that's, you know, here to, to help you with that. So I would think those things early on would have been, would have been critical to continue to do more of that, knowing that, okay, I might be taking a few steps back, but knowing that, you know, I'm going to take hundreds forward. I, uh, I know you probably have a script of it, but would love to hear, this was asked by a couple of different CSP members of like your 30 second elevator business gift pitch. If you could just rattle it off without, I know there's probably a script, but what, what is it? If I'm just, Hey, you, you see an opportunity. What does that look like? Yeah. So if I'm running into a business owner and, um, I identify they own or run a business and, uh, you know, again, I just want to ask one or two quick questions before I dive into it, just to see if it warrants my time or their time. After I identify the owner run a business, I'm like, oh, do you do any gifting um, or have you done any gifting for end of year for employees, customers, really just kind of identify that. And then after those things, just check off real quick, right? Yes, they, uh, I want to run a business. I have X amount of employees and I, I've done this or that. I'm like, great. Well, just so you know, uh, you, you may not be aware, but we've had a business gifting program for the last 20 some years uh, where we actually do a high-end employee and a customer appreciation program. And just so you know, Mr. Customer, whoever it may be, whatever industry, uh, we work with hundreds of companies, all kinds of sizes, uh, very similar to yours, different industries and industries like yours as well, where they, we help them with relationship gifting solutions, right? And your first thought, you may be wondering why, you know, high-end handmade kitchen cutlery works in your industry, right? Uh, well, again, our products are universal because everyone eats and cooks. Very simple. Uh, that's why, you know, a landscaping or a, uh, a company, um, uh, a roofing company, siding, uh, you know, um, anything lo- along those lines, construction just still, still makes sense. So what we do, just so you're aware, is we build and customize programs that help your employees, customers, partners, suppliers, and vendors feel special. Okay. And we just do that through artifacts uh, that are practical, um, best of class, used all the time, and sit on your employees or customers' countertops, which keep you top of mind forever. Um, lastly, companies have told us that, you know, this is more effective than what they usually have gone, uh, given in the past, which is, again, more like trinkets, mugs, gift cards, bonuses, jackets, hats, polos, basically all the things that other companies are doing um, for employees or customers and not really hitting the mark because those gifts are used once, never used or re-gifted. Would, there be, would this be something that you would be interested in exploring or talking about further? Boom. And that's kind of along, along love, those lines. My brain, has my brain was kind of checking off each step that you asked the initial question to find out, are they a true qualified lead? Then it was, okay, let me give a general, let me give some, uh, some credibility. We've been doing this for over 20 years. Let me eliminate some concerns in advance. 
let me tell you what you're already doing and why it doesn't work. And you know, it just, it makes complete sense why that initial conversation, it sounds like as long as they're a qualified lead, then you're going to do that trial close of like, Hey, let me at least get them to say, yes, I want to learn more about it. And then like, what does, what is that? Is there an initial phone call? Will you set up a meeting right there? What, what does that next step usually look like if they go, yeah, let's talk about it. Yeah, absolutely. So then if you're at the booth or with them, you know, I've got better over the years of trying to get uh, a close right then and there. I'm just it's like, oh, would you have a, a few minutes right now? I can dive into some uh, some more options or, you know, uh, dive more into the program and I have a few more questions for you. And then boom, if they do, then what I'm doing is I'm asking more of the eight critical questions and, and diving in a little bit deeper and then if they are the main decision maker, don't need anybody else part of the process, then I'm going to do a close right then and there. And so either I'm going to go for the full close or I'm going to do like uh, a partial close or even a pilot program, which is a pilot program, just getting them started with a minimum quantity of 10, you know, take letting them know that, hey, it takes some time, especially a new project to put your logo together, uh, digitize it you know, for the engraving and, 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 and the template and the proof process. But yeah, if you're good with that, we can get, get started. Two, then my final drop down at the booth would be them getting a sample, them paying for the sample, me creating it, at least getting things started. So if there's a high level of interest, then I can present it to whoever else that needs to be part of that decision. To the last drop down is, hey, it seems like you still have a lot of interest. Would it make sense for me to, you know, pick, pick up the sample on my, on my dime, but you know, um, for you to visually be able to see this and then let's set the next meeting when that comes in with you, your other partner, whoever it may be. So I'll try to get really good and focused, you know, selling right there, which I've got better over the last couple of years, did my first industry event this year. So you can sell a lot right there at the booth, but the follow-up, the goals in the follow-up, you know? And so the next steps would be if all those things don't play out, um, but usually a sample does as I say, okay, great. So I try to schedule a week later unless I know that the timing they're not open to it. Right. So if I have a show I'm heavy on in the spring with a, my events. So then, you know, they may not be in the right headspace or timing until the summer, maybe until the fall to look at a gifting solution plan. I always try to push them sooner. That's why I do the Christmas in July, even though they may not need it until Christmas time. Um, and there's a lot of ways we can do that, but um, I'll, I will try to usually get a meeting the next week um, if possible. If not, again, I'm doing a drip with them. So I'm sending communication for the next few months, keeping in contact, maybe creating a sample and staying in front of them. So there's not a two, three, four month gap of when I communicate or talk to them next. So usually within 48 hours, my rule of thumb is to make sure they get some type of email, basically communicating what we talked about, giving some general information, uh, a few attachments. And then um, typically at that point, um, I'll have them send a PDF or JPEG of their logo. Just really, whether I'm making a logo or not, just to see their engagement, see how excited they are. When I meet with somebody and I ask them that night before I leave their office, if I already got an email of, of that, I know, man, this person's really excited about what we talked about and wants to continue to move through the process. Um, so again, but yeah, the email usually within 48 hours, if they're ready to engage in a process sooner and later, you know, um, if they don't respond to the email within about another 48 hours, I'm, I'm doing a phone call 
uh, text and always leaving a voicemail. And the voicemail and the text and everything um, would typically be something very vague, but just in general, like, hey, this is Scott Garab, met you at XYZ event. You expressed a lot of interest in what we were talking about, gifting appreciation program. Um, love to, you know, um, explore further. Give me a call, you know, this, you know, whatever, uh, leave my number there. So, uh, but I have a lot of people that will just by the voicemail will call me back within, you know, 24, 48 hours. Um, if there's uh, definitely a high level of interest, but I always say a good rule of thumb too, is a lack of interest or a lack of response does not mean a lack of interest. Business owners are different than, than the residential. You know, we feel if we don't close them right then and there, you know, we're, we're chasing, they're not interested. They just don't want to tell us no. And so, you know, but they don't, you know, respond back to us. Business owners, there could be a high level of interest, but lower on the priority list. You know, they've got all these other tasks and to do things. And sometimes, even though we feel like we should be number one on their list, we may not be, but when t- the timing's right and we're staying pleasantly persistent, then we're going to get the deal. And keep in mind, the biggest thing is put yourself in the shoe of a business owner. If you are on top of things and doing a five to 12 touch process, and and again, our orders are much larger. So this is worth your time as long as you've identified what the opportunity could be, is they're seeing you as like their potential sales rep. And so what's nice about them seeing that is they then will say, if my sales rep was like this person, I would want them to be mm-hmm. on, on my sales team. And so I'm going to do business with this person because again, I would love, you know, my sales reps to work this hard or be this on top of things. And so surprising knowing those different industries of what people do that they'll never even follow up. It's, it's incredible, right? Even companies that I'm, I'm doing some personal work at my house or something and they get a quote and I don't even hear back from them and I have to reach back out to them. It's crazy, uh, uh, you know, how that other salespeople work. It's like, if you just do the minimum, you're much farther ahead than anybody else. It's crazy. I think that that's something too, that it's like on a normal, like a, a residential basis, we might feel like, oh, am I following up too much? Am I, am I, but with a business, they kind of need it. They've got a lot of plates spinning. Um, you're right. They could be completely interested, but then that's what that, that sixth ping goes, oh, wow. Now we need to do it. What, what, what was your, what, what was, I don't know if the word struggles, right. Or, or challenge, but what was something that you had to mindset wise change going from residential or a uh, booth business to your business gift clients, what could have shortened that learning curve for you? Because it is two very different processes. Like residentially, yeah. you know, it's 45 minutes and we're getting a yes or a no and exactly what they want placed in the order. These could take months, if not, I'm sure you've had some take years that you've done marketing to people. What was the, what, what, what do you wish you would have known or what was a mindset shift or what was a challenge going from residential to business gifts? Yeah, I think two things. One is the the process, realizing that, yeah, I can get a one call close. But again, that if I just go through this process, and I do three meaningful interactions to a sale um, that, you know, I'm going to um, I'm going to get the deal and to not push them too much, but to be, 
you know, on top of it and make sure that I'm providing value each step along the way, uh, along the way. And, and so when I say three meaningful interactions is like talking to them initially at an event could be one meeting with them either face to face or over zoom or over a phone call, whatever it could be two. And then the third uh, would be, you know, typically closing the deal. Now I've been able to move it from three to two closes because the question I forgot to ask early on is, um, you know, I would ask, Hey, are you the decision maker? And they were like, yeah, I'm the decision maker. But I never asked the question, who else is involved in the process without mm-hmm. making them feel inferior, making them feel like, yeah, no, I make decisions. But then I'm like, instead of just saying, well, is there other decision makers? I just said, is there other pe- people that you, you ask questions or that you run this by, or that is part of this process when you're making these decisions. And that way they feel like, wow, this person's, you know, like making, you know, understanding my world and how I work in my world. And mm-hmm. so by doing that, I've been able to get it down from three to two, because usually the second like meeting, actual meeting or the sit down or walkthrough, um, you know, they would be like, oh, I love this. Let me talk to so-and-so. And I'm like, oh, I mean, I, I, know, like, I know three again, to two doesn't sound like a lot for those of you listening. That is a... 33% decrease in the amount of time and effort Rob has to put into closing a deal. That That's massive. If you think about closing 100 of these a year, you just cut it down from 300 meetings to 200 meetings. Now I've got a, like, that. that is massive. What are the, for somebody that's new to this, Rob, you said, you know, when you asked the question, I love how you frame it so that way it doesn't cause them to feel, um, uh, like you're questioning how much power they have. It's, hey, who else do yep. you usually include in this type of stuff? What What are the type of titles for those individuals that you're typically finding are the decision makers when it comes to business gifting? Is there any trend in companies having the same titles of people that are involved, whether it's a VP of this or, or, or do people have a, is it HR? Who's involved in this typically? Yeah, no, that's that's a great question. And I, I would say it also depends on the size of the organization. So mm-hmm. again, a lot of people think they have to be talking to huge companies to have big opportunities. Honestly, most of my companies I sell to are five to 50 man type of companies. Those companies, typically, it's I'm talking to the owner um, or again, if they have an assistant, they're involved in there as well. Um, and um, so those are probably then the COO, uh, chief operating officer uh, is usually involved in those decisions as well. Um, sometimes the CFO, chief financial officer, but again, it's usually the owner, their partner, their assistant, sometimes a lot of times a spouse um, that's involved too, that again, they run ideas or thoughts by. As you get into larger organizations, that's when again, some more layers and some more titles and things like that come into play. HR certainly comes into play, uh, the human resource side of things. But um, yeah, and then sometimes like the big company I sold to, they actually have two people that are part of their gifting appreciation team, you know, so they actually have a certain department for that. And they have, and that's what's great is like, once you get this opportunity in the bigger companies is mm-hmm. you can actually prospect deep, deep and wide within those organizations, uh, which again, the big deal I sold was just one piece of the big piece of the pie because they have uh, anniversary program that they do for the employees and do a different program outside of a gifting program. They do uh, a, a bank, they do like a uh, summer get together uh, that they do. So there's so many different gifting 
options that if you understand all of them and all the pieces and all the players, then you can literally go from one to the next, the next, next. Like a couple of people on my team are dealing with some big, large corporations, one of them being FedEx. He got one piece of the pie and now he can use that as leverage to be able to not only find other contacts within an organization, but be able to um, bandwagon effect and talk about that project you did with this different department that you can dive from there. There's Another already guy the John trust. Deere. There's already yeah. the trust. There's yes, already exactly. the, it, it, man, that, that, <laughs> that type of referral to that means so much more than, uh, yeah, so-and-so, my buddy also owns a business. It's like, that makes so much sense. My, my gears are going. I can imagine those interested in business gifting on the call are like, oh my gosh, you can, when I hear somebody like a Jeff Bry go, business gifting is the biggest, largest area of opportunity in our entire company. I'm beginning to really understand, like based on that comment, the, the possibilities with this. What, what do you think you personally, Rob, what is your Cutco business look like five years from now when you dream about that when you think about that what are some things you think about yeah um i think a lot of exciting things uh one other thing too is you just mentioned about the jeff jeff bryan the largest area is a company believes that and knows that as well jim mm -hmm. stitt every year tells me it's the only controllable thing he has all the different programs that we have federal Government could shut down at any point. Real estate impacted by the economy more so than business owners, right? Um, shows, we all, all know that not only can they just go away one day uh, and shut down, but, you know, they're so dependent on the crowd, the weather, you know, all these outside factors. Well, business gifting is the only controllable thing that we have that, again, we can control how how many, you know, business prospects we see and talk to and all that. But my my vision is, you know, and I predicted this at net uh, in net 2020, actually before the pandemic um, happened, is that I would be the first two million dollar rep in 2025. Well, I've accelerated that to next year will be the uh, first two million dollar rep. This year, I'll do over a million just in one layer, which will, to my knowledge, be the first just in one layer business gifting. But if I'm looking five to ten years down the road. Honestly, I mean, I could see numbers getting higher and higher, but my vision the next five to 10 years is to get more people to sell a million and two million would be, would fire me up more than my own success or my own numbers. And so I continue to see uh, more consulting, more teams. Um, this whole gifting um, process in the company is going to be changing. There's actually going to be an announcement this week sent out about the first ever summit um, combining CGC and business gifting reps. So look for that announcement. Some of you guys may get that invite. Oh, we're on the inside track. We got an early announcement. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. So they're going based on it's, it's the first year is going to be, you know, exclusive, whereas 125 capped. So this thing is going to fill up real quick. But again, they're taking who sold business gifts or realtor gifts and they're starting there, right, with the invites and stuff. But um, the certification is going to be happening and all that. But I just see more training, more education, uh, more support, more resources, more help for the community to help you guys all scale this opportunity. And whether you're as passionate about me, uh, about business gifting that I am, you don't have to be. But as long as you see that this should be something you should have a knowledge about, feel comfortable about and be able to take advantage of opportunities as they arise when you run into them and knowing how to initiate the conversations, 
navigate the conversations and close more deals so that, again, you're not stalling and things are flowing much quicker. And your average order goes from a thousand to three thousand to five, ten thousand. And, you know, we start to get more, you know, a hundred thousand dollar opportunities out there. I um. I, by the way, I think there's some people on, uh, in the audience today that want to be on that list of people you're trying to get to a million and two million. So when you get the flood of emails for uh, 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 coaching, that's probably what, who. What what is? I know some some uh, reps when they first get into this, they're intimidated because it's a business owner. I think it's easy to forget that's just another human being, especially when we're. I mean. Many that when they get into business gifting are going to be in their early 20s. They haven't experienced success at what they would think is a high level yet. Maybe they are worried about what are they going to think or why would they take advice from me? What does building rapport look like with a business owner? Rob, does it look any different than what you learned as a residential rep? No, I don't think so. I mean, again, you just got to, sometimes we get intimidated because uh, they're business owner or they're they're managing multiple you know people or uh, multiple divisions or their companies sold X amount and stuff. They're just normal everyday people. And, you know, again, I, I think just making it more about them than us is always a great idea. And the simple quick things from a rapport building standpoint is just asking about their business. Hey, you know, tell me about your business. Hey, how many years you've been around? I do that for two reasons. One is uh, just to, congratulate them on years that they've been around. If they're around more than two, three years, that's more than most small to medium-sized businesses, believe it or not, um, that, that fail within the first three years. But then I also find an anniversary. Like if they've been around 10, 15, 20 years, I'm like, oh my gosh, 20 years, what are you doing to celebrate your anniversary? And then it's like, ding, 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 the light bulbs go off and like, cool, I can help you with that, right? And then the other things too is what has helped them be so successful. And the things that they usually tell me is like, oh, we have a phenomenal product or we have great customer service. Um, you know, all the things that resonate with Cutco that we are all about. And then we, I tie those into the things that have helped them be so successful um, for, for them. And so I think with just those initial conversations, just asking more about them, their business, how many years they've been around, what's helped them be more successful, will start to then they realize like, wow, this person really wants to understand more about me and my world. So then when I actually pitch a program or an idea or a plan, then it comes from like them giving me the information I need to be able to um, relay that back to them. Mm. So, um, but I would say, you know, there's three levels. If you had to break it down three levels of like what I found from when I first started to today, of like what helped me scale the quickest, uh, cut down my learning curve and be able to sell more in a shorter period of time. And I would say, you know, level one, you know, you guys just for the ones on the call that are just dipping their toes in, getting started, maybe had a few success, but, you know, just not anything consistent um, so far is, you know, again, you got to determine if this layer is something you're serious about and, and building and focusing on at least, you know, spending some consistent amount of time Eight hours a week is usually how, you know, again, year one when I started out. Awareness. Ask every single person you talk to, own or run a business, you know, and just start to fill that pipeline, right? Your display. Make sure from the initial company on Vector Connect, like displays and, and samples and stuff like that, have, you know, a few items, a single, a, a two-piece set and a three-piece set 
and some uh, gadgets, accessories, and then also some hunting and fishing stuff that have some different logos, engravings, some different options that the pieces are doing the selling for you. Your 60-second pitch needs to be spot on, needs to be confident and creating interest. Eight critical questions, which again, I'll share all this stuff with Brett. He can get out to you guys that you make sure you're asking those questions and then understanding what your opportunity is, how big the opportunity is, and where do you go next with it? Following up the leads, again, got to be golden. A lot of industry reps spend thousands of dollars doing these industry events, get hundreds of leads, don't even follow up with them. What's the point? Um, always be filling your pipeline through events or your past customers, sending them texts and emails, finding out who in your database of your maybe 1,000 to 2,000, 3,000 customers you may have already that you didn't ask that own or run a business right now and are needing your help to support them. And then going through Vector Connect, watching videos, downloading resources, that's level one. Level two, real quick, is getting good at asking everyone where they work. So the next step for me is you'll run into people at the booth that may not own or run a business, but they work somewhere. They should, hopefully, because they can afford to buy Cutco. Ask them a couple more questions. Oh, does your company ever do gifting throughout the year or the end of the year? Great. Okay. Um, what have they done? I just want to understand it's been something at least of a $50 price point or higher. And then ask them, well, who's who's in charge of that program? Do you know who the owner is or who would be the person I would reach out to? Great. And I took it one step further. How well do you know that person? Could you send an email or text and connect me with that person? And then just do a handoff and I can run from there. Upgrade level two, again, it's upgrade your samples with your personal. So if you sold a deal, you should have a sample of that to be able to share a story, story sell. So now you can share and they can see, here's what, here's what I did with this company. Here's why they did it, why it's been so successful and why they love it. And it was for their employees or customers, whoever it may be. And then fill your pipeline with different opportunities outside of events. You can start to get into networking events. I'm part of a chamber. Even if you spend a little time, you get a list of hundreds of companies that are part of that chamber that are leads for you. If your company's that you sell a business gift to that are giving to their customers, they a lot of times provide a list for me. That's more leads, but I'm building my pipeline and get good at old school asking for referrals. Like we, referrals are free. So again, I'm doing it very effectively because again, it's free, which is great, but also there's, there's that connection of, hey, your buddy who thought we should connect actually loves the program I put together for them, thought you might want to hear about, you know, what I do for companies like you. Everyone is a lead or a source for a lead. And it's, I'm going to turn over. Leads are everywhere. Yep. Yep. Leads are are everywhere. And then level three, last thing would be level three uh, is again, after you did all those steps, which are all free and like resources and tools that are all available for you and I'll make available for you is number three, you know, now you're past those levels. Get a mentor is excellent in business gifting. I know a few people. So go ahead. In uh, in 60 seconds or less, what's something I should have asked you today that would have helped our team? You definitely asked a lot of great questions. Um, is, uh, well, that's a kind of interesting question. I mean, um, I usually ask the business owners, is there anything else that... Uh, we didn't cover, didn't go over today and uh, usually kind of racks their brain because usually pretty thorough. But um, I would just say that, uh, you know, why question, you you know, why would you ever want to not capitalize on this opportunity? Why would you ever not want to understand or know more 
about this opportunity. Um, because again, it's something that whether you do a little or a lot, it's something that, again, if it falls into your lap, instead of just saying, great, I'm glad you own a business. Okay. Let me sell something for your house. It's like, Hey, I want to be able to have an opportunity to, to sell a, a, you know, business owner. So I would just say, you know, asking yourself, why haven't you done more and what's holding you back from continuing to pursue this and make this a stronger layer of your business that, you know, uh, whether you feel confident or not, that you can build that confidence very quickly. And there's enough resources, help support to help you guys get more success with this layer. Mm. Rob, seriously, thank you so much. We're in such a unique situation where no one's required to give back when they've, you know, gotten up to the ladder of the successful status that you have in Cutco, but most of our leaders do. And uh, you lead that group uh, fiercely. I mean, you are just always ready and willing to give back to the field, to give back to people that are brand new, people that have been here forever, people in a rut, people that are already succeeding. And that doesn't go unnoticed, man. We It means the world uh, to us that you made the time for us today. So seriously, uh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. This has been great. No, thank you guys. And I, I just think with that point is that I want to honor and respect the people that have helped me early on in my career and still help me today to get to where I'm at. So if we don't all do that for each other, you know, that you're, you're, you're not serving a higher purpose, you know, uh, because again, think about you're at where you're at because other people that have had your back and that supported you. So yes, I'm always willing. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man, absolutely. Uh, guys, don't miss our upcoming CSP Hot Hand interviews. We got Joffrey Grimes on October 16th and Jess Miser on October 17th. Uh, those Q&A forms will come out uh, for you to be able to submit shortly. Uh, thank you to those who submitted your questions. Uh, for Rob, I can't take credit for any of them. Uh, we only use questions provided by the field. Besides the Cleveland Browns question, that was um, from Justin Neath's <laughs> What's something I could ask Rob? <laughs> Uh, one we didn't get to, one we didn't get to that maybe someday, don't answer it now. I want to, if we ever have Rob back, he has yeah. to answer, does the length of his beard change based on his next meeting with his Amish clients? That's, <laughs> that's for next time, part two. Okay. Uh, it's been great, man. Thank you Thanks, so Jeff. much. Have an awesome day.